Hey, what's up and welcome to Difficulty Class. This is going to be a different sort of episode because it's one that deserves its own, you know, attention and uh, the normal flow of our episodes are very energetic and very like, hey, how's it going? Welcome in and everything. This is uh, this is one that's much more serious. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a, there's been a problem going on uh, in D&D for a long time uh, that is, uh, you know, rising to the surface now uh, because of the events of the world as they should be they should rise to the top because these are problems that need to be dealt with and so it felt disingenuous to just do this as a topic to just uh you know put it in uh the same time that we do the news or a champion's code or something like that or a spotlight It, it didn't feel right for us to just make this a topic to put out there. This is one that it, it, this isn't an episode that is about what we really think, because again, because here's the thing, this is, a, as you could probably tell from the title, this is about the problem with race and discrimination, not only in D and D, but in wizards of the coast. Mm-hmm. And we are two white people. <laughs> we do not have a leg in this race. We don't like that, that all we can do is support the people who are being hurt by this. Mm-hmm. But that's not our job of this podcast is to just be like, oh, tr- trust us. We're, we're, we're supporting them. Really, yeah. This, this episode is one, uh, to, to inform you on what's going on if you don't know. And two, to motivate you to go get educated on what is happening and to support in the way that you can. Yeah. So... We're going to go over what has been happening, um, and we're probably not going to give a lot of, of, of our thoughts, because again, it seems disingenuous to do that, other than, this is fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah, Trevor and I were talking about that before, just like, there's not much we can say beyond that, because it just doesn't feel right. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and like, one one of the... One of the things that I first jumped to was like, oh, well, maybe we should, you know, try and get a guest on who, you know, is in the uh, in this situation. But then that just felt like we were just trying to get a diversity guest. And that felt disingenuous mm-hmm. and not talking about it felt disingenuous. So this was the best way that we felt we could bring attention to this uh, while also not just seeming like, hey, we're just doing this because we got a podcast and we're going to talk about it. No, th- this is a serious issue and we and it needs to be taken in a serious way. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's start off uh, with the uh, the the problem in print. So um, do, do we want to start with the statement that Wizards had or like what what originally brought this to light? Uh, let's, let's talk about what originally brought this to light. So, um, I don't remember the, the Twitter user's name, forgive me, I'm sorry, but essentially, um, I think it was in May or June, uh, somebody tweeted out a screenshot of a block text that was like, hey, this is blatantly racist. Mm -hmm. And it was about, uh, it was role-playing an orc. (laughs) Right, yeah. I, I and I, I I haven't seen I I didn't I hadn't seen this one before and so like seeing this was like shocking to me because like I yeah if I had ever seen that that would just be like well what the like I would have the same gut reaction I did when I saw it and essentially what it said was just like oh you know orcs are savages they they can be domesticated sometimes but their bloodlust still runs beneath their skin and it's just this just terribly racist language using in there that is 
just terrible. And it made it into a book, and we we all have it. We we all got it in there, and um. So that was like one of the first things that like blew up on Twitter of like, hey, there's some really bad language used in all of these books. Yeah, and it just kind of it, it started flooding from there where people were posting screenshots of just like, here's the times that Savage was used. Here's the time that Exotic was used. L- look at the way that the, the Vistani are viewed as in Curse of Strahd. And um, with everything going on in the world, like it was a very, it was very much like, hey, we're not doing this anymore and this needs to change. Mm-hmm. Um, now... The the Wizards did make a Black Lives Matter statement um, that uh, but about, I think, 15 days later, they put out their diversity in Dungeons and Dragons post. Yeah. Um, Al, you, you mind uh, you mind reading uh, that or some of it? I, I don't know how much you want to read of it. Yeah, sure. But, uh, um, yeah, it was on the 17th of June where they pretty much said, hey, in the past few weeks, the Dungeons and Dragons team has been listening more than ever. We hear that we want us doing doing more, and today we want to share what our plan of action and being better allies looks like. And then they shared a link of the Diversity in Dungeons and Dragons article that they posted on their uh, dndwizards.com website. And so let's see. So it goes, Dungeons and Dragons teaches that diversity is strength, for only a diverse group of adventurers can overcome the many challenges a D&D story presents. In that spirit, making D&D as welcome as and inclusive as possible has moved to the forefront of our priorities over the last six years. We'd like to share with you what we've been doing and what we plan to do in the future to address legacy D&D content that does not reflect who we are today. We recognize that doing this isn't about getting to a place where we can rest our laurels, but continuing to head in the right direction. We feel that being transparent about it is the best way to help our community help us to continue to collaborate our efforts. One of the explicit design goals of 5th edition D&D is to depict humanity in all its beautiful diversity by depicting characters who represent an array of ethnicities, gender identities, sexual orientations, and beliefs. We want everyone to feel at home around the game table and to see positive reflections of themselves within our products. Human, in quotes, in D&D means everyone. Not just fantasy versions of Northern Europeans and the D&D community is now more diverse than it ever has been. Throughout the 50 years of D&D, some of the people in the game, orcs and drow being two prime examples, have been characterized as monstrous and evil, using descriptions that are painfully reminiscent of how real-world ethnic groups have been and continue to be denigrated. That's just not right, and it's not something we believe in. Despite our conscious efforts to the contrary, we have allowed some of those old descriptions to reappear in the game. We recognize that to live our values, we have to do an even better job in handling these issues. If we make mistakes, our priority is to make things right. And then they give us an itemized list of, here's what we're going to improve. We present orcs and drow in a new light in two of our most recent books, Eberron and Explorer's Guide to Wildmount. In these books, orcs and drow are just as morally and culturally complex as other people. We will continue that approach in future books, portraying all the peoples in D&D in relatable ways, and making it clear that they are as free as humans to decide who they are and what they do. So, essentially, they're saying... We already started working on this, and we're gonna just no matter what keep it up. Yeah the the main problem with that bullet point is like that's cool, but the entire system is set in Faerun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the next point is when every D and D book is reprinted, we have an opportunity to correct errors that we or the broader D and D community discover in that book. Each year, we use those opportunities to fix a variety of things, including errors in judgment. In recent reprintings of Tomb Annihilation and Curse of Strahd, for example, we changed text that was racially insensitive. 
Those reprints have already been printed and will already be available in the months ahead. We will continue this process, reviewing each book as it comes up for a reprint and fixing such errors where they are present. So we looked into what this was exactly, and it's... Yes, they changed the language, but they it's not big changes. It's literally yeah. like taking a word out or replacing a word. For uh, for example, in Curse of Strahd, um, let's see, uh, one of the characters uh, no longer has a disadvantage because they are quote unquote too drunk to fight. Yeah. Um, or in Tomb of Annihilation, removing the words ex- uh, exotic, savage, and tribal from uh, certain things. Uh, one of the examples that I found uh, was uh, a distant and exotic land. Um, they changed to just a distant land. It really kind of felt like the changes were more of a, you know, control F in the yes. words that people said were troublesome and just deleting them. Yeah. As opposed to actually trying to go in and change the tone and the concept of who these characters are <laughs> mm-hmm. because oh, in the end that's really what the problem was was that these characters represented those tropes that they blatantly said in the text and so just removing the words themselves personally yeah. i don't feel like that's enough but right now that's what they've changed that might change as things go along mm-hmm. but for now that's what they've done um Their next point, uh, which was one that I was kind of excited about, it says, Later this year, we will release a product that's not yet announced that offers a way for a player to customize their character's origin, including the option to change the ability score increases that come from being an elf, a dwarf, or one of the D&D's many other playable folk. This option emphasizes that each person in the game is an individual with capabilities all their own. This is good. Uh, This is something that we've talked about in the past, that it doesn't make sense to have your abilities tied to your race yeah you you are more than what your race is if you want to be uh you know a wizard dragon born do it if you want to be uh i don't know a druid drow do it like it's that is something that has been carried over from older editions that really in hindsight really shouldn't have like that's that's something that could have been changed and brought into the way the world is now and made a big difference in the rpg world yeah um one of the like factors that people really say is a problem with D is that in order to make it a really playable game you have to customize the heck out of it and mm-hmm. their fault with it is that that shouldn't be a game that you pay like, let's see, you get three books, 50 bucks. You, you pay $150 for the base pack, right? Mm-hmm. You shouldn't have to change it right out of the book. And yet yeah. the answer to a lot of people's problems is hmm. you don't have to play it like this way. You that's that's actually, like. that's a really good point because that's one of the things that like I have said in my head is I'm just like, I don't play it this way. This is not the way that I do it. But yeah, you're right. Like it, shouldn't have reached that point like again yeah you're you're right i paid 150 dollars between three books to basically change a bunch of the shit to ignore practically half of one book to barely read another and to use the other one like an index like (laughs) yeah yeah it's it for paying that much for an rpg you shouldn't have to ignore or when you point out a problem you shouldn't be told to well it's your choice to ignore that's part of the game yeah no, that's a really good point. I mean, like, that's 
Wow. Hmm. Like, for how long D&D 5e has been out, the fact that they're kind of just now getting around to that kind of product, it's 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 understandably upsetting. Because especially yeah. if you look at, like, D&D on uh, homebrew sites, like, oh, God, RPG drive through and all those things where you see mm. people making their own homebrew that answers these questions and they've been out for years. Yeah. And they're like Electrum bestsellers. They're going crazy and like people love these homebrews and yet D&D is still kind of adamant on the stance of you can choose to do that if you want, but if you want to stay with the, you know, the slightly racist route, you totally can. Yeah, <laughs> slightly racist. Uh <laughs> <laughs> You know, their words. Yeah. Um, so that's that's kind of... I'm excited that they're at least going to put out a, a, an official product. I'm less excited because I think they're still going to charge for it. And it's not just going to be like a, here's yeah. a addendum. It's going to yeah. be a, here, pay 40 bucks for this book. Yeah, which then just adds on to the $150 intro. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the... You know, I've harped on a 5.5 for a long time, and really, like at this point, I think that could that would probably just be the best way to go. Not even just uh, like you know mechanically and updating the system, just getting rid of a lot of this language and practices and ways that the game is in is racist in that way mm-hmm. uh, could do, and even just rebooting. The Sword Coast, like you could keep the adventures that are already out and just reboot the Sword Coast and just be like, hey, you know, we're, we're going to redo Sword Coast Adventures Guide and do that splat book that ex- that is showing like, hey, th- we're wiping the slate. All the characters are there, but they have a there. There's a new light to them and everything like that. Something like that might work, but I don't know. That's just, you know, an idea that pops into my head. And who am I? I'm just a podcaster that likes to talk. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. Um, up next, they do mention that Curse of Strahd included a people known as the Vistani and featured a Vistani heroine, Esmeralda. Regrettably, their depiction echoes some stereotypes associated with the Romani people in the real world. To rectify that, we've not only made changes to Curse of Strahd, but in two upcoming books, we will also show, working with Romani consultant, the Vistani in a way that doesn't rely on reductive tropes. So this and, is kind of along that bullet point that they mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that they didn't say here specifically was what was the issue with Esmeralda. They just kind of mentioned her. Um, Esmeralda has a disability. She... Mm-hmm is missing, I believe it's her right leg. Uh, She lost it in an attack, and she has a whole entire prosthetic that was built for her. Um, In the book, she is totally ashamed of it. Yeah. And, like, they make it a point to say that, and they even say, like, in her, I think, ideals, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm ashamed of my... (laughs) I'm like, oh, my gosh, okay. Um, And so... I, 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 I know on... I saw on Twitter someone that I follow brought this uh up a long time ago actually um and chris perkins replied to them and said that um they were 100 percent right and uh it was a wrong character trope to do and that they were planning on fixing that in a future reprint i don't know if that ever actually happened mm-hmm. but um 
it, it, someone did call them out for it and Chris Perkins responded to it. But it's still like that is that's one of those things where it's like, why why would you like you finally had a character with a disability that had a prosthetic, a gorgeous prosthetic made out of a violin. And your first thought was be ashamed of it. Yeah. That sucks. And then, and then, I mean, there's the whole thing with the Romani people and the Vistani. So here's the thing. If you listen to our curse of straw review, uh, you might've noticed that, uh, that complaint was absent and that is a fault of my own. Um, I remember reading the book and seeing like, oh, well, the Vistani uh, will betray uh, the the people, you know, the party to Strahd, and they, they and I can't, and I stopped reading there because I went, but why? I'm not going to do that. I, I got a better story plot idea. So I, like instead of that, I made the Vistani like these main characters and people who were actually just had pity for Strahd and were hoping that someone would eventually break the curse and like. So I went with that, and because I decided to go with that, I didn't read further into it. I didn't see these things. So I basically just did the, like, oh, I don't see, you know, you know, this is a problem because I didn't see it. That is a fault of my own, and I apologize for that. Because that going back and looking at what they did, it is terrible. Oh, my God. <laughs> it yeah. is so offensive. <laughs> like... <laughs> There, there's just straight up like Romani practices that are in there that they're just like, ah, it's the Vistani, whatever. It's the, their names are even similar. <laughs> it's just, it's, it, it's one of those that I, I, it, I think it's one of those where I just like, I can't believe that actually happened. So I didn't think that I needed to read forward to see that because I was like, no, there's no way they would have done that, but they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, as a player coming from Curse of Strahd, when you did run it, I didn't get those vibes that were initially in the print. Like, you yeah. didn't portray them as written. <laughs> so yeah, and, like, and 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 th- this is not to be just like, oh, I didn't do it, it's not a problem. No, I, I ran Curse of Strahd, that's a problem, and, like, the, the book as written is a problem. But, yeah, like, that, um, I, I'm sure, like, for the players, when they heard about this, they're like, what? But that I didn't even give them a disclaimer about that. It's like, Hey, this is how the book wants it to be betrayed. I'm not doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And like, we kind of opted into that unwritten rule of, you can totally ignore this part of the book. Yeah. <laughs> without and, realizing and, it. And I mean, it, thinking back on it, that's the second time I did that mm-hmm. because when I ran, um, uh, 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 Oh my God. Tomb of Annihilation. I basically just had in my own head what the what the people of Cholt were like and what their history was and everything, and I didn't really go in depth on it because I was reading the adventure and running it. So I just put my own thing in there instead of looking at this really bad problematic language that's in there. Yeah. And so like that's twice now where I just kind of turned a blind eye to it because I was like, oh no, I'm just gonna do my own thing. And it's again like you were saying paying a $50 for a book and then just chopping out what the problems are mm-hmm. and you shouldn't have to do that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, their next bullet point on their diversity in Dungeons and Dragons article is we've received valuable insights from sensitivity readers on two of our recent books. We are incorporating sensitivity readers into our creative process and we'll continue to reach out to experts in various fields to help us identify our blind spots. Good. 
yeah, that's a good thing. Um, I'll bring that up again later as we talk about our second product, our second topic, but um, <laughs> that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, the last bullet point they say is we're proactively seeking new diverse talent to join our staff and our pool of freelance writers and artists. We've brought in contributors who reflect the beautiful diversity of the D&D community to work on books coming out in 2021. We're going to invest even more in this approach and add a broad range of new voices to join the chorus of D&D storytelling. We're going to put a pin in that one for right now. Yeah, again. We'll... Finish off this part. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they finish it off by saying, and we will continue to listen to you all. We created fifth edition in conversation with the D&D community. It's a conversation that continues to this day. This is, that's at the heart of our work, listening to community, learning what brings you joy and doing everything we can to provide it in every one of our books. This part of our work will never end. We know that every day someone finds the courage to voice their truth and we're here to listen. We are eternally grateful for the ongoing dialogue with the D&D community, and we look forward to continuing to improve D&D for generations to come. So, overall, it is a well-written statement. They they got good bullet points in there. They you know they've got you know action plans and stuff like that. And you know, Tomb of Annihilation, Curse of Strahd it is a little work, but it is work that they did. And has is already on D and D Beyond, and is going to be coming out in those reprints. Mm-hmm. So overall, for this at this point in time, like June seventeenth, reading this, I was like, "Well done that that was a a good statement. You got a good plan going forward. This sounds great." Yeah. Uh, um. Let's see. I'm, I I got I got notes and stuff. Uh. It looks like I went over that. But yeah, like um. One of the other things that I did want to bring up because uh, I didn't have it in the notes for sorry, Ali. Uh. Was um. <laughs> The the other thing I wanted to bring up is the um, right now on D, uh, DMs Guild, they have a lot of the old products up there. Oh, so you're bringing up exactly what I was just about to bring up. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, and one of them is oh god, what is that terribly offensive title of it? Oriental Adventures. Oriental Adventures. Yeah. So now, the, go ahead. By the way, fun fact. It's it's still on. Uh, DMs Guild right now. Yes. So <laughs> what they did uh, was, you know, people saw this and were like, hey, why are you still selling this? This is something that's really offensive just from the get-go. You can't even read the title and not cringe. Um, and like, I, I remember hearing about this supplement on a podcast 10 years ago. And just kind of like cringing then, just be like, why, why, oh God, why did they call it that? And then hearing more about it, I'm just like, oh, I'm glad we're past that. We're not. Um, <laughs> and so it's still up on, on DMs Guild. What they have done, because there was an outcry, they put a disclaimer um, on the page. So can I talk real quick about their, their uh, path to that disclaimer? Yeah. Go so ahead. when this was first brought up, Nothing happened. Nothing changed except for one thing. It went from $15 to $4. They put a sale on it. It's, it's, yep. And then I think it was about a week later after this uh, Twitter response. uh, What was his name? It was Daniel Kwan. He actually made a huge, like, Twitter response about it saying this isn't right. And, like, the statements about equity and D&D rings hollow for me. For one, they are still profiting off of Oriental Adventures and other harmful supplements. And so after they 
pushed it down to four dollars it's like okay then they afterwards they put out the uh, what some people equate it to the the warner brothers equivalent of hey this thing is racist we just wanted to let you know before you read it yeah um because like if you've ever seen like those old like uh warner brother cartoons or even like the disney thing that they put before you see song of the south now it's like it feels very much like that Mm-hmm. Um, but I have it here. If I can, I can read what they yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, it says, we, wizards, recognize that some of the legacy content available on this website does not reflect the values of, of that Dungeons & Dragons franchise today. Some older content may reflect ethnic, racial, and gender prejudice that were commonplace in American society at that time. These depictions were wrong then and are wrong today. This content is re- as presented as it was originally created because to do otherwise would be the same as claiming these prejudices never existed. D&D teaches that diversity is a strength, and we strive to make our D&D products as welcoming and inclusive as possible. This part of our work will never end. And then it goes on for about four pages explaining what Oriental Adventures includes. Yep. Um, And then the disclaimer is, again, at the bottom of it. Um, And I don't think that they have put it into the PDF of the book itself. So... I mean, the, the main thing, like, it's really, like, I'm looking at the page right now. Welcome to Christmas in July. In celebration, this digital title has been marked down 25%. Stop making money off of it. <laughs> like, it's really that easy. Like, I, I understand the whole, like, uh, you know, acting, you know, getting rid of it and wiping it is acting like it never existed. Sure. Okay. Fine. Stop making money off of it. Mm-hmm. Like, that, I, I know at the beginning of this, it's funny because I was just like, oh, we're probably not going to give our opinions on this. I'll give my opinion on this. Stop making money off of it. Yeah. Like it's, that that that's a good look is like okay, yeah, it's here. It's we're not making any profit off of it because, you know, it's from god what 1987 or something like that or, you know, I, I don't even know when, but like it, it you, you, they made TSR made money off of it. You've made money off of it now. Stop it. Yeah, it's um I'll I'll quote Daniel Kwan again from Twitter. He responded saying like basically telling wizards you show consumers that these legacy products are to be consumed they aren't what if someone looks to the optional honor rules found in the 5e dmg or inquire about the cultures of carter mentioned in the player's handbook carter is still being sold and this is a problem mm. so mm-hmm. it's like you're still showing that these products can be used yeah <laughs> that they are to be consumed as as a product and so it's uh yeah, it's it's definitely something that they that that I I definitely have a problem with. I mean, it's just it, it's yeah. it's part of the problem of the setting as well. Just because it was set up in in that time period where these people thought it was okay, or if they it wasn't okay, and they thought they could do it anyways. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. So now I want to transition over. So that is the problem in print. Mm-hmm. That's what is currently going on and um, D&D's response to it. Now we go to diversity in the uh, the company. So if you haven't heard the name Orion Black, um, I do recommend going and looking at the full Twitter thread that was put out. But um, uh, for a, a quick synopsis, Orion Black w- uh, was brought on as a writing consultant to work on a D&D product. Um, now... Like I said, we put a pin in that bullet point back there where they said we've brought on a lot of uh, diverse, you know, uh, contractors to work on a D&D product for 2021. We do not know if Orion Black was brought on for that with that bullet point or what's going on there or if it was involved in this. 
But the point is, they no longer work there. Um, as of July 3rd, their contract was not renewed. Uh, they put out a, a long Twitter thread uh, that you can read on Twitter long or whatever the heck it was. Um, and uh, so I, I cut out some excerpts here uh, because it was a long one. Again, Twitter long. It's, it's in the name. Um, and uh, I will, I'll do my best to read some of these. <laughs> um, so uh, one of the first ones I had was, quote, uh, I took the job for two reasons. Uh, the first was for the dream, to escape poverty, uh, doing what I love, writing and making games. The second was to make D&D a welcome, uh, welcoming for the millions who uh, are scorned by it. So Orion Black does have a history in game development. They have mm -hmm. created, uh, to my knowledge, two RPGs that are available online. So this isn't just like someone that was, you know, got a chance and was there. Uh, they, they have notches in their belt and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so, uh, another quote is, I realized, uh, that at one point, uh, that leadership had given me two assignments over the course of five months. Mm. Uh, I firm quote, I firmly believe that I was a diversity hire. There was no, uh, uh, expectation for me to do much of anything. I probably disrupted them, uh, by being vocal and following up. It didn't matter if I was supported by seniors and, uh, and, uh, positive. Oh yeah. They were positive. Um, I can 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 you take it up from there? Because I'm already stumbling over my it's words. It's fine. I got you, man. Yeah. Um, uh, the next point that we have that we a little expert we say is, uh, Orion mentioned they would talk about how they're going to start working on treating staff better, retraining contractors, actually answering questions, how much they were invested in diversity and change, even though they hired two cis white dudes in two big leadership positions during this, one of whom claimed that he doesn't know what he's doing that oh. so like that bullet point back in their diversity in Dungeons and Dragons statement saying like we are going to hire people and you know have this you know diversity in there and, and views and all of that stuff and then while they are contracting diverse people to hire two straight white guys out of that group it, it's like well okay you put the words down and now you're doing this. What do you think that looks like? Yeah, they're they're still not doing what they what they actually set out to do. Um, and it, that whole argument of like, well, maybe there's just no one that's you know stepping up to the plate that's that's good for the spot. It's like, well, no, obviously, Orion is kind of making the point there. There are people that are stepping up. They just don't care. They're still gonna mm -hmm. hire this this white guy before they hire someone else who could be more capable of that position. Yeah. Um, the next point they make is I find out that some of my work was stolen, which destroyed me. It lined up with a project they were going to do. And I had sent it into someone in leadership months ago. The project was announced and this person who contributed forgot that we had a meeting where I gave them my ideas and then a follow-up document the day after. Yeah. The, uh, they, they go on to say that someone else told me uh, that that person said, sorry, they had forgotten. Um, and then like, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go for it. Go for it. Like there are a, a lot of problems in the, the tweet thread that they put out and that like, we're, we're already at two points. Like, again, we're, we're not even going through the whole thing, but those two points right there, those suck. Those suck so bad to hear. Like mm -hmm. the, it, it, 
<laughs> going against what you're saying being one thing, but then someone just straight up stealing an idea and like, oh, I forgot, and that's all that happens. Oof. Yeah. Um, the next bullet point is uh, then as social unrest continued global. Uh, global due to BLM, Black Lives Matter, the D&D team comes out with their statement, the one that uh, we read earlier. Yeah. It was like a slap in the face. How much they care about people of color, how much changing things that I and others have been pushing for months, if not longer, was just going to happen now. It took weeks of protesting across the globe to get D&D to do what people they hired have already been telling them to fix. You cannot, cannot say Black Lives Matter when you cannot respect the black people who you exploit at one-third your pay for progressive ideas you pick apart until it's comfortable. For your millions of profit year over year, people of color can make art and freelance but are never hired. D&D takes what they want from marginalized people, gives them scraps, and claim progress. Yeah. (sighs) So they put out this long tweet thread which got a lot of responses and uh, a lot of you know supporting responses in the community which was very good good to see seven days later wizards tweeted out the response in two tweets uh and mm-hmm. it said we sincerely apologize to orion black for the negative experiences they had as a contractor with the dungeons and dragons franchise team their statement is being taken seriously and is an opportunity for us to improve the experiences of all those who uh, contribute to our company and community. First tweet. Second tweet. We are not perfect and we know uh, there is more work to do. The ongoing dialogue with our community is critical to making meaningful change. We remain committed to making D&D uh, and a more inclusive community by supporting voices from people of all backgrounds. So... Okay, here's the thing. It took seven days to do two tweets. Mm-hmm. And it's it's one of those things, again, where it's like, it sucks to see this go the way it's going with them. Like, they, they put out the diversity in Dungeons & Dragons statement and it looked great. And to take uh, a whole week to craft two tweets in response to this long Twitter thread, only one of which actually is directed at Orion, yeah, it, 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 that sucks. It, it like, it, it's, it is a response, but it's not much more than that because it's, you know, even in Orion's thread, uh, at some point they said, you know, don't believe words, believe actions. Yeah. And so for their response to literally be just words. Yeah. Yeah. And they, the, the person who runs the D&D uh, Twitter account has mentioned this before, especially when it was um, when they first put out their statement for in response to Black Lives Matter, essentially, that these things take time in a large corporation. And so yeah, the, the I, concept that it took seven days, it makes sense. But then there's also the concept of how um, if you're noticing that a, a lot of the big name D&D people aren't saying anything in response to this, it's... In a way, because as a corporation goes, they're really not allowed to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, and, and I understand that. Seven, like, really in the, the grand sc- scheme of corporate talk, seven days is not a lot. Um, and But it, 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 it's still, like, you, you, I don't know. It, it it still sucks to see it take that long in 
the time that we're in for that yeah. to happen. And again, I understand corporate is corporate's going to corporate. Yeah. Um, but um, if we're seeing anything recently, it's that that corporate's got to change corporate. Yeah. Um, I mean, just today, stuff's coming out about Ubisoft and the the uh, and harassment and and the treatment of not even just the the women that work there, but the women in their games. Mm-hmm. And it, it and it's you know <laughs> when they're when they said, well, wh- what happened with that? They're like corporate. Corporate's gonna corporate. So yeah. I get that. I understand that. But it sucks. The main issue is that it's what happened was essentially them saying, hey, guys, we like we like chocolate ice cream. And everyone's like, cool. We're glad you finally put that out. And then someone in particular says, yeah, but you need to really show that you like chocolate ice cream. And then it took them a week to respond saying, no, no, no. Yeah, we do. We agree. We do actually like chocolate ice cream after they literally just said. (laughs) Yeah. So like. Even though it it it's just the timing of everything and and like the, Ryan the, the, had a great point was like it took the Black Lives Matter protests to actually have D and D to do anything. Yeah, which <laughs> again, like the protests are productive in that means. I mean, they've done so much, but it's just the concept that D and D is like the statement that they claim is for everyone. It's yeah. just showing. Yeah, and that that's thing. Like, it needs there needs to be more action that has it be for everyone. Mm-hmm. Not not action that shows it's for everyone. Action that it is for everyone. Yeah. Um. So yeah, again, this is what's going on right now, and I do encourage you to go look into all of these things. Go look at the Twitter threads. Go look at the Reddit discussions. Well, maybe not the Reddit discussions. Um. At least go in and and look at what's going on, you know, and and appreciate that. Even if you didn't see that, if you didn't see that there was a problem, or you didn't think that there was a problem, notice that there is. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't. I mean, these are problems going on right now. There are plenty of problems in D and D. We didn't even. We haven't even gotten into the Mike Merle situation, which, if you don't know about, please go read. Yeah. Um, that is that is a whole other can of worms and i highly encourage you to go read and form your opinion on it but when it, uh you know a lot of people come down to like oh well i'm going to quit D&D uh i'm i'm done with it there's been a lot of streamers that have been moving away from it and all that stuff our podcast is predicated on it is a we even say in the intro a, a podcast about all things dungeons and dragons this is one this is if we're all things Dungeons and Dragons, this is part of it as well. Yeah. So that's why we need to talk about it. We can't shy away from it. Um, and for me personally, like I am going to keep running my games in D and I'm going to keep doing this podcast. And but you know, say it does need to change. D and D is not perfect. Wizards of the Coast is not perfect. We no one should say that. And I, I usually try not to say things that are just like, oh, you know, you should or shouldn't. You shouldn't say D&D or Wizards of the Coast is perfect because they're not. Nothing is going to nothing is perfect, but they can be better. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, that's I think what Allie and I would both want is for everyone to just be better. The uh, the corporation and the text included. 
Um, so yeah, at the, at the end of this, just, we want to encourage you to go read, go listen, go learn, go change and to be better. So I I think that is going to do it for this episode. We're going to be back on Friday with, uh, uh, another episode, but, um, I hope that you are, are going to at least go check this stuff out and, you know, talk about it with people, do something. Have a good game.